Um, many, many years ago when I first started in ministry, I think I've related this story before. Uh, pardon me if you remember it. But I think it illustrates a very important uh, lesson in my own life and something that I hope you can identify with as we uh, begin to look at God's Word this evening. But I can distinctly remember uh, being the pastor of uh, a small uh, Baptist church in uh, Corsham in Wiltshire. I just started there and uh, going about on my pastoral visits one uh, afternoon, I had a very, very strong urge in my, in my soul, spirit, whatever you'd want to say, to go and see uh, two sisters. They lived together, uh, Cicely and Ivy. Cicely had been married. Uh, her husband had uh, been killed in the Second World War. And as a consequence of that, uh, she and her sister Ivy decided to set up home together. Not unheard of. And so that's what they did. And they lived very happily together and ran their home. So there I was, uh, feeling that I should go and see them. They lived on the outskirts of Corsham, uh, out towards a place called Gastard, and uh, I got in the car and uh, drove off and just didn't think anything else of it. I arrived at the house, uh, a bungalow, and I can picture it now in my mind's eye, and uh, knocked on the door and just waited. They were both quite elderly, uh, at least... Uh, not quite as old as Trevor, but maybe a little bit older than Sylvia. Let's put it that way. And uh, eventually, uh, Sicily came to the door in a blind panic. Thank God you're here, Pastor. So uh, she was mumbling and uh, looked quite perturbed and was ushering me into the bungalow. I went in with her. Long story short, her sister Ivy had gone for a bath. And as she got into the bath, had slipped and wedged herself outside of the bath, between the bath and the door. Unable to get up, what were they to do? And I had turned up. So I, I was about 22 years of age, unmarried, and there I am, this lump of a pastor. Thank God you're here. Would you please go and help my sister? So I managed to kind of heave my way in. I was a little bit slimmer than I am now. And uh, heave my way in, uh, past, uh, pushing the door, pushing Ivy up against the bath, and get myself, she's there, Starkers, okay? I'll tell it the way it was, isn't it? And eventually, she's in a bit of a state, she's banged her arm, uh, we get her sat down, we put a towel over her dressing gown, we get her warm, call the doctor and everything, and uh, I pray. What else can you do? I don't know what to do. So I've rung the doctor and everything, and I'm praying. And that incident comes back to me, because it seems to me that what Ivy needed to have that in that moment, and Cicely to a certain extent, but certainly Ivy, was that she needed to know a measure of physical attention, physical healing, you might want to say. 
Um, she'd had a nasty bang on her arm, as I said, and that was very important that that was attended to. I wasn't qualified to do that, and so we'd rung the doctor. But there was something else going on with Ivy in those moments as well. And that was that she needed emotional attention. She was pretty upset in a bit of a state, as was her sister Cicely. And so trying to come alongside them and reassure them and provide some emotional support was very, very important. And then, well, I'm the pastor. So the natural thing for me to also do in that situation is obviously offer some spiritual support, some spiritual healing uh, in that moment. Now, I don't know whether you can identify with, with any of that at all. Chances are, many of you can. Maybe you've had a fall yourself. Maybe you're sat here tonight and you're dealing with a physical frailty. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're absolutely emotionally exhausted. Chances are that most of us in this room can identify with one or more of those needs. Because we are human beings who live normal lives, and deal with normal things that often end up needing attention in one of those areas. One of my roles as a pastor is to pray with people when they're broken physically, emotionally, and or spiritually. Pastor Tim and I have been with many of you as I look out here. We've been, it's a privilege to have been with many of you over the years, and to sit with you, to pray with you, to draw alongside you. Uh, I guess if we were to add up the amount of agony and pain represented in this congregation that hits physical, emotional, or spiritual need, it will blow us away. And that's the reality of life. Now, I'm mentioning all of this because tonight as we continue our series on the names of God, I want to look at with you Yahweh or Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And you may have seen that that was a theme running through many of our songs so far this evening as well. This name for God, Jehovah or Yahweh Rapha, first appears in the Bible shortly after the Israelites had been freed from their slavery in Egypt. Just to give you a bit of context here, the Israelites, you remember, miraculously let go from Egypt where they'd been slaves for donkey's years, and uh, they'd miraculously passed through the Red Sea. You remember all of that? You've probably seen Charlton Heston doing it on the television, or James Corden reinterpreting it with sheep on the Confused.com advert. The people are excited they're finally free from the evil clutches of their slave masters. And they pour out their praises to God. So just bear that in mind. Now Heather's going to come. She's going to read for us a passage where the people are going praise mad. They are pouring out their praises to God. And as you listen, listen carefully to what happens after just a little while. Thanks, Heather. <coughs> Good 
reading this evening is from Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 to 27. The Song of Moses and Miriam. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, O Lord. Until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The waters of Mara and Elam. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, 
what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Thanks, Heather. Isn't it amazing how in the space of just a few verses, praising turns into protesting? Moses had been leading the people, uh, and uh, the people are praising God for their delivery from slavery. They're going on, I'll sing to the Lord, he's highly exalted, the horse and its riders, he's hurled in the sea. The Lord is my strength, my song, he's become my salvation. He's my God, I'll praise him. My father's God, I'll exalt him. The Lord's a warrior, the Lord's his name. And then they become angry. They move from praise to protest, from elation to deflation. We're a fickle bunch as human beings, aren't we? Do you find yourself doing that sometimes? I can come to chapel on a Sunday and have an amazing time with you lot and be the grumpiest man on the face of the planet by tea time. That's the reality. When we're pumped up, everything seems great. But then there's that inevitable letdown. The Israelites saw God provide miraculously for them in making a way through the Red Sea. But now they're thirsty. And three days, you notice that, verse 22, three days, it's all it's taken to land in the ditch of despair. To go from praising God, he's delivered us after all these years of slavery, to, I want something to drink, and I want to know. In three short days, they'd forgotten that life in Egypt was terrible, and here they are, feeling bitter because their expectations were shattered. So what does Moses do? Well, you know, he does the right thing. He prays. God answers him by showing him a simple piece of wood. Moses takes the wood and throws it into the water, and the water immediately becomes sweet. I'll say more about that later. And then God tells them in verse 26. This is where God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In the midst of their bitterness and hurt, God reveals himself as their healer. Hear that tonight, will you? Because you may well be feeling very bitter. You may well be struggling with something. But I want you to hear God tonight revealing himself to you as Jehovah Rapha. 
This word rapha is a, an interesting one. I know that uh, Steve Haywood thinks this is probably just one of the managers of Liverpool who's given his name to something in the Bible. But Rafa Benitez wasn't around at the time, Steve, I'm afraid. Uh, this is Rafa, and uh, it's used about 60 times uh, in the Old Testament. It literally means, and this is very important, because I don't know what sometimes we understand in our own minds when we think of healing. So it's interesting that if you look at what we sometimes call the etymology of the word, and the, word, the way the word is developed is very interesting and important because it literally means to restore, to heal, or to cure. It's something that is applied in the Bible to things that are physical, to things that are emotional, and things that are spiritual. And that's very important, isn't it? Because the gospel has a dimension to it that is holistic. The Christian faith is as interested in what's going on up here in your mind as it is to what comes out of your gob, as it is to what's going on in your heart, and even to what's going on in your physical being. So, for instance, in 1 Kings 18, the word rapha is used there when Elijah repaired the altar of God. If you want to look that up, it's in 1 Kings chapter 18. And it says that when he repaired the altar, he raffered it. That's what he did. He put it back as it should have been. He brought healing to it. God heals... Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, the water when Elisha threw salt into the spring. Do you remember that incident? Some of you will. So the word has within it this idea of restoring something back to its original state. Healing is at its heart bringing cure but bringing restoration too. And that can be something that has a physical dimension. It's something that can have an emotional aspect or indeed a spiritual side to it as well. So, for instance, King David experienced all three of these things. Uh, you may uh, be familiar with Psalm 6. So, here in Psalm 6, at the start of this psalm, you see all of these three dimensions having a, a play, as it were, in what he's saying. He's talking about having emotional problems. He said, have mercy on me, I'm, a f I'm faint. You know, this kind of, you know, you ladies talk about, isn't it, on Downton Abbey and everything. You know, oh, I'm faint. <laughs> I'm overcome with a faintness, I'm emotional. Don't you? Well, eh? I don't know. Don't, don't go there. But there's an emotional side to it. Here as well, do you, do you see this? There's a physical need that he expresses. Heal me. My bones are in agony. You ever feel like that? You're on a Saturday morning after a hard week and you're thinking, oh. But there's also something spiritual because he talks about his soul being in deep anguish. So you see, this idea that God is interested in our emotions, he's interested in our physical side, he's interested in our spiritual well-being, is very, very important. 
throughout Scripture, we see a God, don't we, who reveals himself as a God who is very interested in people's well-being. He's very interesting, interested in what's going on with you and me spiritually. He wants to deal with those issues. He wants to deal with emotional issues. He wants to deal with physical issues too. Jehovah Rapha comes to heal, to restore, and to cure, sometimes emotional. Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. If you are feeling emotional pain, know this, Jehovah Rapha wants to heal you. He wants to bring a wholeness and a restoration to your broken heart. He binds up their wounds. The Hebrew word there used for broken, by the way, it's very interesting because it literally means something that has been smashed into pieces. And some of you will know exactly what that feels like. Your emotional pain can be incredibly overwhelming. But whatever pain you're carrying around, let me encourage you tonight, hand it over to Jehovah Rapha. Some of you have incredibly uh, intense hurt that you know, I perhaps can't begin to relate to. Maybe something happened to you when you were younger. Or perhaps it happened just yesterday. Look, in the midst of your tears, please cry out to Jehovah Rapha. If you've suffered emotional agony, let him put you back together again. He longs to do that. But sometimes we need physical healing. Some of you are experiencing a tough time right now as you are trying to process the pain and discouragement that comes from physical difficulties. When our bodies don't work right, it affects what goes on in your noggin, doesn't it? You know, when I'm not feeling very well, I'm not very good to live with, to be honest. I'm a bit of a grumpy so-and-so. At times, we need to ask Jehovah Rapha to do a physical work of healing in our lives. It's lovely, isn't it? The Bible's filled with examples of God's healing touch. 2 Kings chapter 20, we read that Hezekiah became very ill. He was about to die. And as a result of intense intercession, he was healed. His life was even extended. There's an amazing account there. The Lord, the God of your father, David, says, I've heard your prayer, seen your tears, I'll heal you, and I will add 15 years to your life. In the Gospels, we meet Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time healing people. Can't escape that. He did, providing physical healing. But then there is spiritual healing. And I think in many ways, you know, this is probably the most important of the three realms of healing. Jehovah Rapha sees that we are fundamentally, as human beings, spiritually sick. And he provides healing and wholeness through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Believe me when I say our diagnosis is bad and our prognosis is pretty terminal. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it records that the incurable condition of the human heart is this. The heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Who can understand it? We are sinners. 
who've been inflicted with a disease of death and destruction, and we desperately need spiritual healing. Now, I know that there are at least two or three of you are sitting here now going, and you're singing that song. Was it Billy Ocean? Talked about sexual healing. Do you remember that? Sexual healing. You don't remember that song? The, the thing is, my friends, healing is something that is so misunderstood in the church of Jesus Christ today. So you end up, sadly, with churches that will not touch this subject with a barge pole because they don't want to bring with it all those unanswered questions like, well, I prayed for Auntie Dorothy to be healed, and she wasn't. So God doesn't want to heal some people and does heal others? What caused that to happen? And yet we are trying to be faithful to the Bible, and we come to the Word of God, and we see God healing people. We meet Jesus going around and healing. Some of you in this room have experienced miraculous healing. I've had the privilege on more than one occasion of praying with people for healing. 99% of the time, they've not been healed. Okay, just let me get that out there. But I'm telling you now, the 1% fires me up. Because I have seen people healed. Dramatically, miraculously healed of incredible problems in their lives. Diseases, um, clots, all sorts of things. Now, how do we deal with this? If we are trying to get to know God better in this series, we can't escape the fact that he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Early in his ministry, Jesus got up in the synagogue one day and quoted from the book of Isaiah. Rosemary read this little bit this morning from Isaiah 61. Do you remember? He says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. God is fundamentally concerned with bringing healing to you and me at a depth and a level that begins with our very souls. Jesus can break every other bondage that we are under, including addictions and deep-seated sin patterns, if he can get to the fundamental problem in us. And that is that we need spiritual healing. You see, whilst it's certainly true that Jesus healed a lot of people physically, he was always more interested in curing them spiritually. For instance... Do you remember that time when John the Baptist was trying to make out, or trying to discover who Jesus really was? And he sent word uh, about uh, finding out. And uh, Jesus responded that you should tell John the Baptist, this is in Matthew 11, tell him the blind receive sight, the lame are walking, those who have leprosy are cured. There's the physical healing, isn't it? The deaf are hearing, the dead are raised, hallelujah. And the good news is preached to the poor. 
It's interesting that evangelism and not physical healing is, it seems, at the thrust of what Jesus is about. His whole intent in bringing physical healing to people is that they would also discover spiritual healing and come to know the God who made them. When the Israelites were faced with three days without water, it proved to be a significant moment of testing for them. I don't know about you, but when I go through tough times emotionally or physically or spiritually, I can often feel I'm being tested as well. But I want to draw things together this evening and share with you some principles that I think we can keep in mind when we're going through testing times that will hopefully help us to focus on Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And I want to start with this. Trials and troubles are an inevitable consequence of being a human being. Life is tough. And in the words of Dempsey and Makepeace, then you die. That's the reality. Life is not a bed of roses. We all have to work out how to do this thing called life and for some of us we will suffer along the way with illness for some of us we will have emotional problems for some of us we'll have relationship breakdowns these things are a natural consequence of being alive trials and temptations come it's what they do overall that's important See, I've talked to loads of people over the years, and as I look at my own experience as well, see whether this is something you can relate to. When people go through difficulties, it often is at that point we get closer to God. Time and again in my own life, when I've had health issues, or people in my family have had health issues, or we've suffered bereavement, or we've been worried about finances, or anything like that, to be absolutely honest with you, I have prayed more at times like that than I maybe do right now. I have inquired of God far more at times like that than when everything seems to be going along okay. Can you identify with that? The psalmist certainly could. In Psalm 119, he says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. When we're hurting, we have to remember, and dare I say it, remind each other to turn to God. So, part of being a fellowship, and I'll say more about this now, but part of being a fellowship is that there are times when we need to put an arm around each other and say, come on, we're going to pray. We're going to turn to God about this. Some of you will know you've been to see me with pastoral issues in your own life, and I've asked you, are you praying? Are you seeking God about this? Trials and troubles can often help us get back on track with God. The second thing I want to say in connection with this is this. Sometimes our pain is related to personal sin. 
When you're hurting, especially in the realms of spiritual pain or emotional pain, I think it's good to do a quick inventory to see if you have any unconfessed sin in your life. It's quite a biblical thing to do in Psalm 32 and verses 3 and 4. David links his physical pain and his emotional agony to personal sin. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. As a pastor, I've sat with many people who are burdened emotionally only to discover that they've been doing something that they shouldn't have been doing and that there's unconfessed sin in their lives. The idea is picked up again in Psalm 38. Psalm 38, because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. I'm about to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Now, we don't hear many sermons that talk about things like this in 2017, 2018, or 2019. Whatever year it is, I'll get there in the end. The reality is that very often if we are aware of things that we've been up to sin and it remains unconfessed, it will eat away at you. If you are up to no good with something, something that you shouldn't be, if you are having an affair and keeping it a secret from everybody and it's eating away at you, well, maybe that's why you're not well. If you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing and you're carrying that burden of guilt, maybe it is going to manifest itself in a physical, spiritual, or emotional way. Many years ago, I went to see a counsellor. And one of the things that the counsellor helped me understand was that it was good to look at areas of my life that I needed to get straight, sometimes with other people, sometimes just with God. It's a healthy thing to do. And yet in our tradition as non-conformists, we tend not to talk about things like this. Personal sin may be a contributing factor to you feeling the way you do. So if you're feeling rough at the moment, I want to ask you, is there something that you're doing you shouldn't be doing? Have you been up to something? But, and please hear me very, very carefully on this. Not all illnesses are directly linked to personal sin. I just want to say that. Because there's some nonsense taught. And you can read about some of this in some of these modern books that uh, take up uh, space in many a Christian bookshop. Now, you, 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 yes, we can say all illness ultimately is a result of Adam and Eve's sin, but we must be careful not to link every problem we have to some sin in our lives. That's the problem within many hyper-charismatic churches, isn't it? And it was the mistake of Job's friends. They all thought that Job was ill because he'd sinned, that he'd been up to wrongdoing. He suffered because there were problems in his life. Well, be careful. You may have a cold because you have picked up a virus, not because you are a sinner. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I, I do get worried sometimes that people kind of beat themselves up and think that they've contracted some horrible disease 
because in some way they're a sinner. Oh my gosh, the young people are setting the building on fire. Wow. Mr. Hayward, would you go and see whether we need to evacuate? Or can we carry on talking about Jehovah Rapha? Thank you very much. Don't feel you've got to run. It's okay. You take your time. But you know the problem, don't you? You've come across it. And it is a real issue. And I think we just need to be careful when we look at that. So some of us need to just back off and stop giving our perspective on to why somebody else is ill. Jesus, interestingly enough, addressed this very issue, didn't he? Disciples wanted to know whether the man who was blind had sinned or whether his parents had sinned. Do you remember? And Jesus answered them, look, neither this man nor his parents sinned at all. That's not the issue. The other thing I want to say is this. God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. But he's not in competition with the doctors. Can, can you just hear that? He's going to help me now because Steve's there. He hasn't got a clue how to turn the fire alarm off. God isn't in competition with doctors. It, this is not an either-or situation. But I just want to say this. Why not consult both? Why not consult both? There are people who refuse to get any help because they want to trust God alone for their healing. But blinking heck, it's my understanding that God often works his healing through doctors. And he often works his healing, listen to this, through medicine. Wow! Isn't that amazing? You remember those bitter waters at Mara? They became better when something was added to them. God could have made those waters sweet without anything being added. Likewise, God can heal with just a word from his mouth. Sure he can, absolutely. But he uses other instruments as well. So remember this, Jehovah Rapha and Wellspring or Risker surgeries together. That's all right. Take your medication. You're meant to. If it's been prescribed for you, take it. Again, there's so much nonsense about this. Jehovah's Witnesses who won't have blood transfusions. Nonsense. Hallelujah. Either that or the building's burnt down. Now we, <laughs> absolutely, Trev. <coughs> we'll keep on going just for a couple of moments. I, I think there is so much that we need to bear in mind here with Jehovah Rapha. Because we can celebrate. Is everybody all right? They're all alive? Hallelujah. <laughs> Young people making toast. Honestly. It's good to celebrate the fact that God is a healing God. He's Jehovah Rapha. Every time I pray for somebody to be healed, I believe passionately that they're going to be healed. Hallelujah. All right? You're okay. Good. But I also believe that there are times when the most effective thing I can do is take somebody down the hospital and accompany somebody to go and see a psychiatrist, to go and sit with somebody in a hospital room. It's okay. It's not an either-or. The other thing sur surrounding this, I think, is that we need, in understanding who God is as Jehovah Rapha, we need each other. We need the community of faith. I, I love that passage in James 5. It describes what we should do when we're sick. And it's a brilliant little passage. Because if anybody's sick, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. 
The second thing we've got to do is confess our sins to each other. This is pulling a lot of what we've just been talking about together, isn't it? And then we need to pray for each other. Those steps are only possible if you're plugged into a community of faith. When you're hurting, you need God's people. And you need God's people to give you some real help. And please hear this. Some of us somehow just don't provide real help. We are unrealistic in the kind of help we sometimes seek to offer. Let me read you this. This is uh, adapted from a story called Comforters by Linda May Richardson. When I was diagnosed with a really nasty illness, my first friend came and expressed shock and said, I can't believe you're sick. I always thought you were so active and healthy. Uh, he left and I felt alienated and somehow very different. My second friend came and brought me information about different treatments, gave me his opinion about what to do. He left. I felt totally scared and confused. My third friend came and tried to answer my whys, told me God may be disciplining me for some sin in my life. She left, and I just felt guilty. My fourth friend came and told me that if my faith was greater, God would heal me. He left, and I felt that my faith must in some way be inadequate. My fifth friend came and told me to remember that all things work together for good. She left and I felt blinking angry. My sixth friend never came at all. I felt sad and alone. My seventh friend came, held my hand and said, I care. I'm here. I want to help you through this. She left. I felt loved and I knew everything was going to be okay. We need each other. We need one another. Because I think the other thing we need in all of this is a degree of faith. Now, some people have mistaken the thought that if you have enough faith, you can be healed of anything. At the other end of the spectrum, we know that there are people who believe that God doesn't heal today, and so they won't even pray about their problems. Now, there's a, a biblical perspective to this. We need to pray earnestly for healing. For those who are listed in our newsletter, let's pray earnestly for God's healing. And let's have faith to believe that God can heal, but let's be careful about demanding that he'll answer our prayers according to our will. We pray according to his will. Do you know this woman? How many of you have heard of Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tarder? If you've never read her book, get hold of a copy. I've probably got one on my shelf upstairs. Remarkable. She had a diving accident as a teenager. She's a quadriplegic. She writes this, God certainly can and sometimes does heal people in a miraculous way today, but the Bible does not teach that he will always heal those who come to him in faith. He sovereignly reserves the right to heal or not heal as he sees fit. I have prayed hundreds if not thousands of times for the Lord to heal me and he finally healed me of the need to be healed. Now I know you've got to balance all of that with Jesus, you know, he goes to that 
there's that incident, isn't there? In Mark 6, is it? He goes to an area and he can't do anything because of lack of faith and everything. But let's just balance these things. God is sovereign. And sometimes healing takes place in really unusual ways. I, I came across this story that Tony Campolo tells. And uh, this is typical Tony Campolo. If you've ever met him, I had the privilege of spending some time with him some years ago. He, he prayed boldly for a man to be healed. Uh, he was in a church. Uh, a man had cancer. He was asked to pray for him. He prayed for him. And uh, the next week, he got a telephone call from that man's wife. And uh, she said to Tony Campolo, you prayed for my husband, he had cancer. And Campolo thought when he heard her using the past tense that his cancer had been eradicated, that his prayers had been answered. And then she said, he's died. And Campolo felt terrible. But she continued, and this is what she said, don't feel bad. When you saw him, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God for it. He was 58 years of age. He wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that, his, that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing to be around him. And then she carried on. After you prayed for him, a peace came over him and a joy came into him that we've never seen before. Mr. Campolo, the last three days have been the best days we've had. We've sung, we've laughed, we've read the Bible, we've prayed. They have been wonderful days. And I'm calling you to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. Hallelujah. The final thing is this, and then we'll finish. Go back with me to that Exodus passage and you will see something, I hope, incredible. Because God gives us a tiny little glimpse into his redemptive purpose and plan right back there. What we see happening at the waters of Meribah, the bitter waters being made sweet, is something that we then see fulfilled on the cross of Jesus. Because I ask you, friends, what was thrown into the bitter waters? Piece of wood. And isn't it amazing how later in Scripture it's on a piece of wood that the bitterness that exists between you and me and him is sorted out. Think about it. There in Exodus we are seeing a type, a foreshadowing of redemption. And it's a glorious picture. A picture that says the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him because by his wounds we are healed. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. He's the bondage breaker. He's the God who breaks the bars of our yoke and enables us to walk with heads held high. Are you hurting tonight? Maybe you're listening to this message 
uh, on YouTube or by podcast and you're hurting emotionally. Maybe you've got physical pain or spiritual pain. I want to encourage us as we finish this service to turn to Jehovah Rapha. To come back to Exodus 15 and to Elim where God leads the people to from Meribah where he takes them and there are 12 springs and 70 palm trees, a place of plenty, a place of restoration. Even if we're not cured, we can be healed. And we can know that the God who revealed himself to us in the person of his son Jesus is with us and will never leave us. Jehovah Rapha is in the building. He's our God, and we can cry out to him. And so can I invite you, just for a moment, let's be still. Let's bow our heads, and let's ask God if there is something in your own life tonight that God has highlighted. Maybe you are hurting. Maybe you need healing emotionally, spiritually, physically. Why don't you just ask Jehovah Rapha for that? Maybe you are aware of somebody else that needs that. I want to encourage you. Pray for them. Pray for them by name, in the quietness of your own heart. Let's call out to Jehovah Rapha and ask him now for his healing grace. We thank you, Father, for the reality of who you are and for the revelation of yourself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We would pray, Lord, for a supernatural revelation of your healing power over those that we know at the moment are unwell. We know, Lord, that you are able to do that. But we pray too that you might continue to use medication where that is your will. That you might continue to use doctors and surgeons where that is your will. And other clinicians and experts. We thank you that you are a God who reveals himself totally to us. And we bless you in particular for the healing you have brought to our souls that in Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross, you have healed us from that separation that there is between you and us. Thank you, God, that you have healed our relationship with you. And we pray that in this coming week, there will be testimonies to the healing power that you have. And that, God, we will praise you and worship you accordingly. For Jesus' sake.